0: Hey everybody! It's Allie, and welcome to our Why in Our Chat for Sunday, October twenty third. It's been a pretty good week. It's been a pretty explosive week, one might say. I think that's actually the measure of a good week: is when something explodes. When something explodes, you know we're gonna have a good Why in Our Chat. So let's get started. Um, mostly. The week has been centered around Colin and the capturing of Colin. And he has had enough of Genevieve and Gloria. So he decides that he's going to put a hit out on them. He wants to just get rid of Gloria because she knows too much. And Genevieve is just starting to become much more pain than she's worth. So he puts out the hit on them, and that proves... To be his downfall. That proves to be the last thing that he is going to do before he gets caught. Now, Kane is at the center of bringing Colin down. He's working with Ronan, trying to catch Colin in this act, because as soon as Colin puts out the hit, and goes through with the hit, they've got him for a crime. And they've also got a ton of other crimes that they can tack on. But, you know, attempted murder is a pretty big one. So that's what they're focusing on. And meanwhile, Kane's bouncing around Genoa City, still trying to warn Jill to stay away from Colin, but mostly trying to warn Lily to just stay out of the situation. Lily has just become overwhelmingly tired of Kane's lies and half-truths and failure to include her, failure to trust her enough to tell her the truth. So Lily decides that, well, if I can't get answers from Cain, I'm going to go to Genevieve. Maybe she'll be able to tell me something. So Lily starts telling this to Kane, insisting that she's going to go over to Genevieve's house. Well, the problem is Cain and Ronan have been staking out at right outside Genevieve's house because we know that something's going to go down there. All week it's something's going to happen at Genevieve's house. We know that this is where Colin plans to carry out the hit. And Kane can't take any chances of letting Lily get anywhere near it. But Lily continues to insist. And unfortunately, I've said, you know, I I've said this for the past 2 weeks, and I hate to sound like a broken record, but to me, it feels like Kane is constantly asking everyone in his life to trust him that everything's going to be okay. I can't tell you the truth, but just trust me. Yet, he doesn't trust them enough to let them in on What's going on? Now, I know, I know that it, it, this is all part of a larger plan, that Kane doesn't feel like he's at liberty to reveal details about Ronan's setup of Colin, but I still feel like it was Kane's inability to communicate with Lily and give her the gist of the situation, which she never would have told, that caused her to walk right into danger. Because Lily decides... I'm no longer listening to what Kane says. I don't care if he tells me that I have to stay away from Genevieve or not. I'm going there. So Lily ends up walking in to Genevieve's house at the time when this hit is planned. Uh, Genevieve, however, fortunately for her, is totally not there at all. Lily's pretty much the only one into the house. Lily kind of lets herself into Genevieve's house, kind of looking for her. And Kane sees it from out in the distance, sees that she's walked into the house, runs up to the house, and he grabs her and, and forces her out of the house just as it is exploding. So now, Kane's like this huge hero. And they have everything they need. The fact that Genevieve's house exploded gives Ronan the uh, evidence that he needs to catch Colin and... It shows Lily that Kane had a reason for lying to her. And it became revealed that along with Ronan, Chance was involved in this investigation. So Chance and Ronan all show up on the scene, and Lily has this realization of, whoa, I was really in the dark on this. And Kane actually was. Working to put Colin away, maybe I misjudged him. And and Chance and Ronan are kind of there, adding credibility to to Kane's story, saying like, you know, your husband's a hero. Kane's a hero. You should really be thankful to him, and he saved your life. And and so now Lily is completely back on board the Kane train, which should be so satisfying to me. I should be totally happy about that. But for some reason. I just... It's its sitting weird with me. Is it sitting weird with you? Because after all of these months and um, years of Kane just lying for Lily to now uh, just accept that sometimes it's okay for him to lie to her, it bothers me. And now suddenly, you know, it's almost like she's saying... Thanks for lying to me, Kane. Thank you. You're my hero. This time your lies saved my life, so it's totally okay. Which, that's what he was trying to do all along, and she didn't forgive him months ago when she knew that that's what he was trying to do. So, uh, Lily and Kane, I want them back together, but this whole thing is just not sitting right with me. It just, it feels, it feels like an empty victory. they They seem to be back together, but it just, it feels like an empty victory. Now, meanwhile, At Colin's hotel suite, he is having a little rendezvous with Jill. Or what he thinks is a rendezvous. Because Jill is getting really wise to Colin's ways. She overheard a phone call in which he was clearly plotting something. She didn't know what it was, but it was him giving the orders to kill Genevieve and Gloria. (laughs) And so (laughs) Jill's like, hmm, you know what? Maybe this relationship is not exactly um, healthy for me. So she decides to start pulling away. And as hard as it is for her, as much as she loves Colin, she realizes that he's a liar and it's not something that's going to work out. So... (laughs) Jill sets up this kind of elaborate little uh, ruse. She calls what uh, is apparently some sort of (laughs) sex toy delivery service. (laughs) They come, this, I knew it. I honestly, I knew where this was going the second, like, the hipster guy knocked on the hotel suite, and Jill opens up the door, and he gives her this bag. I knew immediately what was going to unfold, and what... Jill did was she bought this little set of um, fuzzy handcuffs and set up this scenario where it was going to look like she and Colin were having sexy time, and she just slowly lured him into getting handcuffed to the bed. Which, by the way, in case any of you guys are wondering, those fuzzy handcuffs are not strong enough (laughs) to hold someone to the bed. I don't know. If you guys have tried them, but believe me, I have tried them... (laughs) And they are not, like, police-quality handcuffs. <laughs> like, you put on those, they're wimpy. You put them on, and you could easily, like, bust them off. I mean, I'm I'm watching hand, Colin handcuffed to the bed, and at first he thinks it's a sexy game, but Jill starts to reveal that, no, you know what, darling, I'm over this, and furthermore, I'm calling the police, and what are you going to do about it? And the whole time I'm just thinking, Colin, just go like this, uh, and you're out. <laughs> you're done. That's all you got to do. But no. Apparently in Genoa City they make some steel, like, heavy-duty freaking fuzzy cuffs that they don't make uh, when I try them. <laughs> um, but it was, it was pretty beautiful because it allowed Jill to have her final say with Colin. She finally got to be the, the victor. And as Colin is handcuffed to the bed both Ronan and Chance make their way over to the hotel suite to arrest Colin. And it was very beautiful that he was handcuffed to the bed in that way when they arrived, because Ronan arrived with his gun drawn and he was ready to, you know, take him in a hot pursuit, and he's handcuffed to the bed. So it was really cute, and it was a fitting end, too, for the actor. I'm looking at the actor's face, too, as he's getting, uh, having his final scenes, and I'm thinking, darn, you know, I wish... I I spent so much time not really liking him, and now it figures that I've started to warm up to him now. But he did he did have a really good end, and he, of course, had lots of words to say to Jill, and essentially his final message to Jill was what his message has pretty much always been to her, which is that no matter what you think about all of the things that I've done... I never lied about loving you. That part was always true. And you know what? I believe him. I really do. I think that after everything is said and done, I do think that Colin loved Jill in his own sick and twisted, weird little elf way. I think that he really did love her, and she needed to know that. You know, she needed to know that, their love was not part of his tricks or part of his plan or part of his crimes. And I was glad that she had some closure on that. It's going to be a long time before Jill is able to get over this, but I'm glad that she had that that amount of closure. And following right behind Ronan and Chance were, was Genevieve and Gloria. They both came in and they got to have their final say to this man who tried to kill them. They've now figured it out. They've, the, the, that was Colin's plan all along and you know even more impactful I found than Colin's goodbye with Jill was his interaction with Gloria first of all Gloria was wearing this like crazy fabulous weird ass feather fur coat <laughs> it was like a combination of fur and feathers it was really weird and really awesome and she looked really cool and she just walked up to Colin and she said you know what I am always going to come out on top you can't mess with me. You know, I'm a survivor. You know, you tried to kill me. You tried to mess with me. Well, think again. And I just thought that was so, so powerful. We just don't see as much of, of Gloria lately, but she really has been a character that's been through a lot since before she came to Genoa City. And you know, she had this moment of just almost like it was self you know, reaffirming, too, to be able to tell Colin off. And Gloria, by the way, has had a really, really bad day. Uh, she, see know, I don't know what to think about this. You guys have to clue me in on what you think about this. Earlier in the week, Gloria got a bouquet of, well, no. First, Gloria learned from Kevin, her bookkeeper, that all of the Glowworm accounts have been drained of their money. And Jeff is off in Vegas, gamble, 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 nowhere to be seen. Now, a few moments later, Gloria receives a big bouquet of flowers with a note from Jeff saying, I'm really sorry. I love you so much, my darling, but I'm going to leave you. Did Jeff totally break up with Gloria? He left her? He basically said, I'm going away. I'm sorry. Goodbye. Which I found shocking. I don't know why, and I'm wondering like, is that truly it, or was that part of maybe the whole plan? Like, was that part of Colin's plan in any way, or did Jeff really leave Gloria? I don't see any other way around it. It sounds like Jeff left Gloria, which I don't know why. I'm shocked. <laughs> I just, I sincerely am. But like, poor Gloria, she's just got nothing. We, I, I need more. I want to see more Gloria. I oh, don't know. You guys leave me a comment. Let me know what you thought about that weirdness. That weird little side note. And then, uh, you know, just to kind of wrap it up, there was Genevieve. Genevieve finally got to say her goodbye to Colin, which I found very, very powerful. The final scene between Genevieve and Colin, Genevieve's face was red, you know, and she, and her eyes were welled up with tears, and she just said to him, I can't believe that you would actually do this. Yeah, After everything that we've been through, and as much bickering as we've done back and forth, I never believed that you would actually hurt me. And, you know, it may have been the fact that she locked him in the wine cellar that set him over the edge, but still, it's, you know, she still sent him food, you know, she still kind of tried to make sure that he was taken care of. It seemed like as much as these two people went after each other, that they actually did love, her, love each other. And Genevieve said, I, I can't believe you would do that to me. And Colin replied, I didn't, I would never do that. And Genevieve just looked at him and said, you know, you never could lie to me. So it it was powerful. And I feel bad for Genevieve as well. She, you know, she pushed him too far. And that was it. And um, I think it's going to be difficult for her to get over him, too. She, she of course, is going to have a lot in common now with Jill. More than, you know, they've always had a lot in common. Their love for Colin really, really did give them something major in common. And maybe now it'll be a little less contentious between them. I don't know. I hope not. (laughs) I definitely hope not. But Genevieve has got some, uh, maybe, potentially bigger fish to fry, some bigger, potentially bigger problems on her hands, because even though uh, none of the main players were damaged in her house explosion, there is the small, tiny, little, almost minuscule question of her maid, Myrna, who was caught in the fire. It has been a very interesting and unexpected interweaving of seemingly unrelated storylines. And now we're really getting down to the the nitty-gritty of it here, folks. It has been 11 weeks since Diane Jenkins was murdered. I counted! 11 weeks! And finally... We're getting a little bit of movement on it, and I, I can't even say it's satisfying. I, it's like I don't, I don't entirely know what's gonna, what I'm gonna say right now. I, I don't entirely know how I feel about it, but this is what happened. <laughs> Midweek, all of the usual suspects: Phyllis, Nick, Ashley, Tucker, Abby, Victor, Victoria, all of the people who were suspects in. Diane's murder, get a mystery text from Ronan's cell phone, which has been stolen. So Ronan did not send the message. And the message says, meet me at a warehouse, a warehouse way out of town, which oddly was the warehouse that Adam was meeting mystery person at a few weeks ago. And oddly enough, Adam was the only person not present. So everybody, all the usual suspects are like, "What's going? Who? What could this be? Why would Ronan want to meet us?" They all show up at this warehouse, and as soon as everyone is present, boom, the lights go down, and. A a slideshow, like an old-timey slideshow, like with a projector and an LCD screen, starts to play on the wall. And it's just, I think we're going to see more of it next week, but it's this weird combination of, like, clips from Diane's murder. Like the, 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 the Genoa City Chronicle front page on the day that Diane was murdered. Just a really weird, creepy, crazy, ding, 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 Crazy ding-ding-ding slideshow <sighs> that everyone is standing around looking at, going, what the heck? And then just as you're at your the height of your of confusion, the camera, YNR takes us back to the hospital where Genevieve's maid is lying in a bed. First, the camera pans down to her little ID bracelet, showing that it's Myrna, the Myrna that we've heard so much about for weeks and weeks, but we've never seen. And then pans down her leg and reveals a giant kitty tattoo. A kitty kitty tattoo. (sighs) Now... I am going to, I would like to start out now by first acknowledging publicly a few people who called this out right off the bat, because it is noteworthy. It's Patty. Patty is Genevieve's housekeeper. She's laid up in hospital bed right now. I don't know what she's going to look like. I don't know if she's going to look like the same actress or if she's going to be someone completely new, but it's Patty and Patty killed Diane Jenkins. Mm, 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 mm. I don't even know what, mm, mm, I do I, I, I can't even believe it. I, oh, oh Lord. <laughs> I can't even believe it. Can't even believe it. I'm so angry, but I don't want to, I don't want to, I'll get to that in a second, because first off, I want to kiss some butts of people who predicted this uh, from the beginning. First of all, uh, YouTube user Treely Top totally called it from 11 weeks ago. I went back and I looked at comments. I'm like, I know some people said Patty killed Diane Jenkins, and I was not convinced I knew that it wasn't going to be... I, I knew I was going to be disappointed. I knew it. I knew it. And I find this result disappointing. But I don't want to take away from the fact that you totally called it, Treeley Top. And my buddy, Aaron Walker, totally called it. Said from the beginning, I think Patty killed Diane Jenkins. And furthermore, I would like to add that YouTube user SevCEV1996 last week said, I think that Myrna is Patty. And I'm like, that sounds amazing, but, like, I would never have put that together on my own. How did you know that? This is my question to all three of you. How did you know? (laughs) Uh, Like, okay, I, I, know, I knew, okay, that the creepy, shadowy figure outside of Jack's house on just the night before, uh, no, it wasn't the night before. It was, um, yeah, yes, it was the night before Diane's murder, because Diane goes to Jack, throws off her clothes, <laughs> and we see the a, an outside shot from outside Jack's window and a shadowy figure looking in. I thought th- that that might have been Nikki, because Nikki was also on the loose at the time. It makes sense that it was Patty, but, like... Ah. Why would I connect that? Like, I mean, Patty's off the scene. And that's the one thing that I said that I didn't want out of this murder mystery. I hate to be a disgruntled viewer right now, but I wanted the journey to have made sense. You know, I wanted the clues to have made sense. And and I think that it makes sense that Patty would have a motive to kill Diane. But it doesn't make sense that YNR would take us on that Huge, wild-ass goose chase for 11 weeks, only to make the murderer someone who wasn't even on the scene. I mean, we've seen interrogation after interrogation, and that freaking big old wall of clues, and pointing to people's names, and none of it was ever patty. And that just, it bothers me. It's a, It's like, you know, it's like the wild card. It's like now that Sheila is dead, Sheila is no longer that weird wild card. It's almost as if you just, you, can, you, you almost know in your mind that if something crazy is going to happen, <laughs> then it's got to be that wild card character. And I don't find that satisfying. Just, I don't know why I don't. It just, it doesn't feel real. It doesn't feel grounded. I like YNR because it's it's very real, it's 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 very it feels very natural to me. It's not wacky, it's not wild and out there, and this solution feels wild and out there to me. I'll get over it, don't worry. <laughs> I'm mad at YNR right now about this. About eleven weeks of us chasing our tails, thinking who could have done it, and it's somebody who wasn't even on the scene at the time somebody who wasn't even on the scene at the time. Isn't Patty supposed to be in Canada? Isn't that right? It's okay. I just need a moment. (laughs) I just need a moment to let it fully sink in. And I'm sure Adam had something to do with this. I mean, it, it may have been Adam pulling the strings all along because we saw Adam at a, at a warehouse a couple of weeks ago. That's probably when I should have started to put it together. At that same warehouse, Adam went and he was talking to somebody. I can't remember what he said or what he was actually doing there. But, you know, he was he was talking to somebody and it was a cohort. He was talking on his cell phone to somebody weeks and weeks back. So Adam has had contact with Patty, guaranteed. I just don't know if he's the one that ended up maybe pushing her toward killing Diane, or if it's something that she did on her own, or what Adam's role is going to play in this. But I'm going to get over my anger. <laughs> and I'm going to move on from this. And I'm just going to have to accept it. Uh, I'm, I, I bow to all of you who totally figured it out. And I'm just going to be... Uh, I don't know. just I'm just going to be looking forward to... November sweeps, and hopefully there will be some other satisfying storylines coming our way. I really thought that Tucker was not going to sell Jabot to Jack. I just would have expected Tucker to turn around and be a total jerk. And he was giving all of the signs. He was making public announcements that Jabot was going to be up for sale. And he was saying that he had someone offer triple what Jabot was worth. and, 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 And he really wanted to take that deal. And so I just would have expected him to be a total jerk. And by the way, before I forget to say this, is it me... Or is Tucker's hair bordering on mullet right now? It's looking a little mullety. I I feel like somebody needs to just bring him to the side. Just bring him to the side. (laughs) And let him know that it's a slippery slope, dude. It's a real slippery slope toward mullet. And it's not short on the sides, But it's feathered back in a way that it looks short on the sides, long in the back. (laughs) And it is, the hairdo is over. Um, and he may just be growing it out, but something, like maybe he's just going through a weird grow out stage. That's what I'm going to hope it is. Because I want to like Tucker, I want to defend Tucker, and it becomes increasingly hard to defend him with his mullet. And I know some of you guys hate the glasses anyway, so glasses plus mullet, it is not helping him. (laughs) at all but I still like him and he and Ashley have decided to get married in a formal way this time or actually yeah yeah, get married in a good way. They didn't ever end up getting divorced, I don't think. Um, but anyway, they, anyway, their marriage was in a hospital room, so they're working on um, getting a formal wedding going. And I'm looking forward to that. I do like him and Ashley a lot together. But um, I'm, I think that if he had undermined Jack, it would have put a different spin on it. It would have been even harder for me to continue to defend him. And I also uh, have to eat some crow, because... I went out on the line went out on a limb last week and I made a prediction that Ashley was going to be the one to to bid out uh Jack for Jebel. I I and, and that's not what happened. And I was surprised because I really felt that that's where the signs were being pointed because Ashley has expressed a very <sighs> A strong desire to be involved at Jabot, and seeming like she really wants to dig in and be at the helm, and she was kind of trying to bend Tucker's ear a little bit, and I just thought that was where it was going to go, but Tucker did ultimately decide to be a man of his word, and sign over uh, ownership of Chabot to Jack in exchange for uh, him helping Tucker get Chabot back in the first place. And I'm telling you right now Tucker would not have done that if it weren't for Ashley. So Jack can just get down on his knees and thank Ashley from the bottom of his heart because if it weren't for her Tucker would have taken the deal that was triple the amount of money and he would have never looked back. He would have left Jack in the dust. Not a question about it. But Tucker did decide to be a good guy. And the moment, you guys, where Jack realized that he was now becoming the owner of Chabot again. That all of his dreams were being realized. That someday maybe his son can sit behind the desk that he once occupied. That this is something that he can will to his son. The moment when he got Jabot back after all of these years brought me to absolute tears. I think we should have seen way more focus on that because I enjoyed that moment and was more affected by that moment than I was the explosion at Genevieve's house. That was a powerful moment that has been years coming. I mean, how long, you guys? Probably 10. Probably 10 years. I wouldn't be surprised. At least five pushing 10 years since uh, Jack lost the company. And he actually said out loud as he's having this moment to Ashley, you know, I'm the one that talked dad into taking this company public in the first place. And I can still see the look on his face when he realized that Victor took it all. And I believe that that is an image that has haunted Jack for years. And it has driven his motives for years, his actions for years. And he also looked at Ashley and in a way, kind of, I think, was talking to John. And he said, I said one day that I'd get it back. And I finally have. Finally. I, it was just, wow. It was, the whole thing was just, wow. <sighs> I'm so glad to see that Jabot is back in Abbott hands. And I hope that he incorporates Ashley and lets her take a major role in the company. And I hope that he decides to take Jabot and make it go head-to-head with Beauty of Nature and rub Victor's face in it. I can't wait to see the scene. The next scene between Victor and Jack, when Jack is probably gonna like do that little move with his mouth where he's kinda like, you know, sucking on the side of his tooth and he's and he and he gives Victor that look just knowing that Victor was not successful and that everything that Victor did to him, Jack has now undone because he is the new owner and hopefully the last owner of Jabot. We're making a little progress on Sharon's court case. That's the next thing that just needs to move along. Maybe that'll be our November sweeps moment. Because how long has it been? It's been longer than 11 weeks since Sharon's been in jail. Since she got caught at uh, out hiding out in San Pueblo, New Mexico. It's probably been maybe 13, 14, 15 weeks since Sharon had been caught. And it's time. It's getting time to get this trial on with. And we are we are getting there. Sharon um, went before the judge for another round of <sighs> trial this week, but not before she had a really interesting interaction with Adam. Avery went to Adam early in the week and said, look, if you're going to help Sharon ever... Now is the time, because there's a very good chance that she's going to go down for a crime that she didn't commit. So if you have something to say, you better say it now. And it got underneath Adam's skin. And Adam went to Sharon. And Sharon was very surprised by this, because the last time they met, it's it was contentious, for one. And I think two times before that, he was tricking her into marrying him, only to leave her at the altar, the, the jailhouse altar. And he goes to her, and he's clearly starting to have a conscience. He's clearly starting to regret some of the things that he did. And he said to Sharon, Look, I just want to clarify. When you were out in San Pueblo, did you still love me? This is what he asks her. He, he, he's looking for this confirmation that she didn't cheat on him with Sam just because she loved Sam. You know, even though Sharon insisted <laughs> over and over that she was trying to move on with her life because she needed to protect Adam by not letting her him know that she was still alive, even though she told him that a million times, now it's starting to sink in and now he's starting to ask questions and Sharon is answering him like, yeah, yeah, I loved you, yeah. Which gives me hope, because I really do enjoy Sharon and Adam, and I'm, I'm still holding out hope that Adam is going to finally do the right thing. The, the, the conversation broke, and the trial started, and Adam did show up at the trial, and so did Nick, and annoyingly, so did uh, uh, Faith. So, Avery asked Nick to bring Faith to the trial, and Nick said no. 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 I don't need to bring my daughter to a courtroom. I don't... The last time I brought her to the courtroom, she saw Sharon, loved seeing Sharon, and then went home and cried herself to sleep that night. I'm not going to bring her. I'm looking out for my daughter, and I'm sorry that this is, you know, you've decided that this is something that needs to be done, but no, I'm not going to do it. And who decides to step in? Victor. Of course. Victor decides to stick his nose into the situation and get a court order. To force Nick to bring Faith to the trial. What? I, I'm sorry, but what? Why is it even such a big deal? I I mean, I can totally see Nick's perspective. Can you? I mean, I, I'm surprised that it, this is... Even, like, Victor even went out of his way. And if I were Nick, I would be furious with Victor forever for pulling that kind of crap. And it all ended up because Avery wanted and staged a photo to be taken of Sharon and her child to get onto the front page of the newspaper. Avery is very good at what she does, and she, in her mind, thinks that she needs to paint Sharon in a certain way in order to get her off the hook, and it may be for the greater good. Avery may be completely right, but she keeps doing these things that are sort of undermining Nick, and sort of, in a way, what Nick perceives as... Uh, using Faith in order to gain sympathy for Sharon in her trial. And I think there's a debate to be had there as to whether or not it's the right thing to do. But either way, she's certainly not gaining any points with Nick, which is good for Phyllis because Phyllis is ultra paranoid right now about Nick's involvement with Avery. And I think she's going to continue to be uh, ultra paranoid. As someone pointed out to me last week, Nick is a cheater. He was a cheater when he and Phyllis got together. So, once a cheater, always a cheater. If you feel insecure at the beginning, you're probably always going to feel insecure and I so I think that Phyllis is always going to have that level of insecurity. Um and I would not I would absolutely not be surprised if Nick slept with Avery. If he slept with her tomorrow, I would not be surprised at all. So, Phyllis has a reason <laughs> to be paranoid about it, but I I I hate that it's putting her in that position again. I really love strong Phyllis. I hate seeing the Phyllis that's just clinging desperately onto her man. Uh, And I think that's kind of where we're headed back to. Uh, But who knows? Maybe things will start to look different after Sharon's trial is over. Adam, I think, is going to play a major role here because he, at the end of the trial, started cozying up to Heather a little bit. After his conversation with Sharon, after he kind of seemed like he opened up to Sharon a little bit, he goes over to Heather and he's like, hey, you want to have a drink? You want to go out and be friends? And he's being real super nice to her. And I think that Adam is going to either try to get information out of her that can help Sharon's case or he's going to maybe convince Heather to let him take the stand and then totally flip and give different testimony. But something's in there. I think in the end, Adam is going to pull through for Sharon, and I'm really, really excited to see that. Uh, My only real question left is, uh, when in the heck is Heather's last day on screen? Because I want to mark it on my calendar and then have a little party afterwards. Neil is Mo's father. Neil and Sophia totally have a baby together. And that means endsville, splitsville for Sophia and Malcolm's relationship, for their marriage. In fact, as soon as Malcolm realized that the baby was not his, he ran out and got divorce papers. He comes back to Sophia, laying in the hospital room after just giving birth to a child, and hands her divorce papers, asks her to sign them. Now, later, he ended up revealing in a conversation with Phyllis that he was sort of doing that in order to give Sophia and Neil's relationship a chance. Like, like he was justifying it by saying that he was just stepping aside. He wanted to, in a way, make Sophia hate him. So that she would have a chance to fall in love with Neil and raise the child together. And he was doing it in an altruistic way. But I don't buy that at all. I think that Malcolm is a runner. I think that's what he does. I think that if he were half a man, he would stick around and uh, continue to deal with the consequences. Because I'm sorry that Mo didn't turn out to be your son, but you still have a daughter in Genoa City. Lily is still your daughter, okay? You still have a family there. No matter how angry you are, you can't keep running all the time. You should have stayed. You should have stayed. And I, on the one hand, I, you know, I, that is how I feel. And I do blame Malcolm and fault him and his character for leaving Genoa City. I don't, however, I want to make clear that I don't fault him for leaving Sophia, He should leave Sophia. He should leave Sophia. I'm sorry, I like Sophia, and I feel bad for her, but she did sleep with his brother and have his baby. I mean, that's the kind of thing that can ruin a marriage. (laughs) So I think Malcolm is justified in divorcing her. I just think that he's being a total baby by leaving town. Of course, we all know that it's dictated by casting, um, which I, I, I am disappointed with. I have been disappointed since I've heard that. I really would have liked to keep Malcolm in Genoa City, but that's not... Not what's happening. Instead, now Neil and Sophia are going to raise their child together. Neil has decided that he's not going to do this half-assed. He raised Lily and Devon as if they were his own, even though they weren't. And now that he knows that Mo is his son, he's going to be there for him. And as soon as Sophia gets out of the hospital, he has asked her to come back and live with him. And I think that they are going to now start working on their own little family which should you know should be interesting to see and, and it's such a stark stark contrast i mean on the one hand you have one brother malcolm who runs away and then you, on the other hand you have the other brother neil who refuses to leave okay Podcast peeps, what do you guys think? What do you think about all this stuff? It has been a week of exits. I mean, we know Colin and Malcolm both had their big exit this week. My only question is, when is Heather having her chance? <laughs> I'm really looking forward to seeing those final scenes with Heather. That's what matters most to me. Um, but also, what matters most to me is that you guys leave me a comment and tell me what you're thinking about the show. I mean, are you disappointed by the Patty thing? Are you happy? about it, l- let me know. Uh, f- f- I'll give you in a minute the, the different ways that you can contact me. Because it truly is your feedback that helps plant these seeds in my mind. Believe me, I would not have seen the patty thing coming from a mile away if it weren't for uh, other people giving me their opinions and their predictions. And I'm I'm by no means a YNR authority. I'm by no means. I'm a great predictor. I, I just call them like I see it. And uh, it's... Important to me to to get your perspective and hear how you guys see it, too. So, here's how you can get a hold of me. I think the best way is to call and leave me a voicemail. The telephone number is within the U.S., Country Code 1, and it's 309-588-4569. One more time, it's 309-588-4569, or... You can send me an email at live.com. or you can go to my blog at, let's see, what is it? yrchatblog.blogspot.com See, I'm not perfect. <laughs> I am not the most perfect YNR person on the planet, but I do love the show and I do love you guys. So leave me a comment, find a way to get a hold of me and we'll continue to chat about the show next week. I'll be back with a whole new set of opinions. (laughs) I'm sure. And I'll be thinking about you guys in the meantime. I hope everybody has a great week. I love you so much. We'll see you next time. Bye.